minor grievance, but they changed my keyboard again. And now I lost my autocomplete functionality. I don't know how to get it back. I know, there's bigger issues in the world. I know, I got it. Friday, February 25th, 2022. I am Steven Sersky. Thanks for joining me. And yes, that name is of Ukrainian lineage. It's not Polish. It's not Russian. Ancestors do say, yes, there's some Polish somewhere down the line long time ago. Uh, and certainly my family, uh, as far as I know, pretty much uh, occupies or lives mostly in the west part of Ukraine. So for the last week I've been going on about this uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, and this is why, is because uh, I do know people who live there, not just family, uh, but uh, former students and other people I've met along the way as well. So it's uh, been on my mind, and my socials, my social feeds are full of everything to do with this this conflict. Uh, this conflict is not like anything else like Ukraine uh, the name of the country is is translated to borderland and that's what Russia has wanted that's what Putin has wanted or at least agreed to if it wasn't going to be part of Russia or the Soviet Union then it wasn't going to be part of Europe or NATO and I was listening to a uh, uh, an article today uh, on uh, by written by in foreign affairs published in foreign affairs back in 2014 basically elucidating the fault of the western uh, nations europe and the united states for bringing about the annexation of crimea in 2014 the reason why is because i guess back in the late 90s or even was it was early 90s late 90s but NATO was created like back in the 70s or 80s, like it was a while ago, and the and it, it unified a part of of Europe, uh, Britain, France, and Germany. Those were the main issues. That is to say, like th- those were the ones that had always been bickering amongst each other, and so NATO kind of quelled that. And after uh, World War II was done, um, it. it it sort of dealt with that issue. But then it opened up another one in that Russia's sitting there going, well, we don't really like this alliance that's now sitting in, in Europe. Originally, NATO was never supposed to expand. And then all of a sudden, if you want one tie that binds Russian aggression against Ukraine and the United States, it's Democrat parties. <laughs> Clinton, in the 90s, basically said... Uh, NATO expansion isn't wrong, and it's not altogether out of the question. And then NATO started to expand, late 90s and then in the 2000s. The last couple that were added, I think Poland was one of the last uh, countries to join the European Union, and I faintly recall this uh, being a cause for celebration because, uh, although they still use the Polish Złota in in Poland, they were still able to buy things with zlota and euros so it was a, it was dual currency you could you could use either it's the fact that nato has never explicitly told anybody particularly ukraine or russia 
that Ukraine will never be part of NATO. Because this is the red line for Putin. The one that... The thing that Putin says no to, like, absolutely not, this will never happen, is the thing that Western European countries are just teasing. Well, we never know, you know, could happen. You know, if the border wasn't disputed, then this and that and another thing. Maybe Ukraine can become part of NATO and we can still be friends with Russia. And Putin's like, nah, not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Not on the table. <laughs> Ukraine and Georgia, and we all know what happened to Georgia back in, what was it, 2008? Right, so, I mean, maybe my dates aren't, aren't 100%, but in that rough order, I mean, what Putin is seeing, and keep in mind, Putin has been in charge of Russia since the year 2000. He took over from Boris Yeltsin, who was the guy who was the first president of the Russian Federation after the fall of the Soviet Union. Now, he has been pretty consistent in his views, and you look at this incursion into Ukraine, and this is him lashing out. This is him saying, I have given you this much. I mean, we were doing our thing in Ukraine, which, I mean, all of us in, in the Ukrainian diaspora know that it's, it's not altogether great, but it wasn't this. It wasn't a war. It wasn't an invasion. And now he, he's lashing out, basically, and saying, that, I told you, I told you, if you, if you come any closer, I will, I will snap. And he snapped. So, now we're dealing with it. This is the issue. <laughs> uh, one of the things I was doing today was a bit of a, you know, this has been on my mind all day. It wasn't very queasy in the morning, to tell you the truth. Uh, very anxious, I guess I could say. Uh, about it, uh, trying not to let it get too much into my mind. So I did spend a lot of the morning working on Chinese, which, um, yeah, uh, that this is not helping either. I mean, I've stated before, I still want to learn Chinese. I still want to learn Russian. Uh, the current uh, predicaments aren't changing that fact at all. Aren't changing that desire uh, to to learn more languages. Um, I mean, I, at some point you have to divorce the language and the culture from the politics. And that, that's sort of how I view the study of these languages. Uh, for, for what it's worth, one, I mean, uh, you could even argue that these languages be even more global after this because there's going to be a flood of expats from those countries, right? Uh, but today, the... Uh, like with the idea of like learning, study, uh, learning Russian and Chinese, is that you know there will be people you can talk to. Uh, it's, there's going to be expat communities. Uh, there are going to be other places that uh, speak Russian or use Russian or Chinese. Uh, in other words, these languages aren't going anywhere. I mean, they're, they're not going to be exterminated. They're not going to be quelled. N not at all. And they're, even once this war is. Uh, resolved in whatever way it's got to be resolved, the languages are still going to be there. So, <laughs> what did I focus on today? Well, I did try, I went through some of my HSK5 book, uh, which was good. So I read through some more of the text there. I got some of the vocabulary done. That was good. I did go through the Chinese uh, Russian grammar book, the Russian book, Russian grammar book in Chinese. I was able to go through some of that. That was 
uh, good as well. Uh, and then I uh, also spent some time, uh, oh, I did my some of my homework for Sunday as well, because I got to do that, given that I do work tomorrow, and uh, I tend to put off my homework for so long that um, I start panicking Sunday night. So this time I just figured, well, I'll just do it during the day to keep my mind occupied and try not to check social media. Now, I, that didn't really work because rife throughout WeChat and Chinese social media are calls for China's turn. So now we've got Russia going into Ukraine and we've got uh, increased patriotism in China. Uh, this kind of has me going... How many bags will I be allowed to take with me? So it's uh, not a very... This circumstance is more questionable than the pandemic was. Two or three years. How many years ago was the pandemic already? COVID-19. So it's 2019. It flourished in 2020. So this is two years ago, right? I mean, this has me going. This might be sort of an indication of... Uh, how things are going to turn out for the next little while. I'm not a pessimist. I try to keep optimistic about these things, uh, but there's a certain reality uh, that, um, I mean, I, I mentioned it before, you know, I don't hear people wanting to come to China. It's it's not a destination. It's not like 2008, uh, you know, the Olympics, where it put, where China was on the map after and a lot of people came here. It seems like China can be on that map and, it, it's going to stay there, sort of thing. I mean, it, uh, not. I haven't heard anybody wanting to relocate from wherever they are to come to China. That being the case, uh, I was looking at um, the, Ukra the Ukrainian and the Russian national anthems, because I know the Ukrainian anthem is very patriotic, like one of these sort of chest-thumping, uh, rattle-your-sword sort of... Uh, anthems and the russian one isn't isn't as i guess war war oriented um and part of the reason is because the russian anthem was actually written uh the melody the, the the music was made during the soviet union i think that's when the music was uh, made and then the lyrics were sort of made later on but uh, Boris Yeltsin's criticism of the adoption of this uh, anthem af like what, in the 90s was that, you know, it it's, harkens back to a time where it's post-Soviet, we're supposed to be moving on from that sort of idea. Ukraine's uh, anthem wasn't written until, I mean, it's written 140 years ago, technically, uh, 1862, music was 1863, but it wasn't adopted until January uh, of 1992, when Ukraine, six months after Ukraine had declared independence. So, uh, right around there. So, yeah, I mean, the the Ukrainian anthem harkens back to the Kozakia days. So the Cossacks, the uh, um, <clears throat> Hetmanate, Hetmanate uh, that is found in the Zaporizhia Sich, which if you haven't looked on a map, I mean, it's... Uh, south, I guess, on the southern portion of the Dnieper River, which is the river that cuts Ukraine into two. Uh, and uh, so this is what the Ukrainian um, anthem sort of harkens back to, whereas the Russian anthem harkens more to the glory of and the sacredness of the Russian 
uh, land um, of the country. Um, it's... I was going to try to read them in Ukrainian and Russian, given that, uh, you know, I study these things. <clears throat> it wasn't very good, so I'm going to give myself a couple more days and uh, put it off for a little bit. But uh, here's the Ukrainian one. I'll, I'll read it for you guys here. So the Ukrainian translation, and I'm taking this from uh, um, a certain online uh, encyclopedia. Uh, Ukraine's glory hasn't, hasn't perished, nor freedom, nor will upon us, fellow kin. Fate shall smile once more. Our enemies will vanish like dew in the morning sun, and we too shall rule, brothers, in a free land of our own. We'll lay down our souls and our bodies to attain our freedom, and we'll show that we, brothers, are of the Cossack nation. There's actually two translations of that last line. One of them is that uh, are of the Cossack line or of the Cossack nation. But again, this um, <clears throat> it's uh, which is a Cossack nation, Cossack uh, nationhood. Uh, so that is the Ukrainian one where it's hearkening back to this very proud time of the uh, of Ukrainian history uh, that stretches back to I mean not just the 1800s but goes back even further like the 1600s um, and even further than that uh, the Kozaki have always been sort of a very prideful point uh, point of pride for uh, Ukraine and Ukrainians. The Russian lyrics. This is what the, the Russian one is translated as. Uh, Russia is our sacred state. Russia is our beloved country. A mighty will, great glory, your dignity for all time. The chorus. Uh, be glorified, our free fatherland, the age-old union of fraternal peoples. Ancestor given, wisdom of the people. Be glorified, country, we are proud of you. From the southern seas to the polar edge, our forests and fields are spread out. You are the only one in the world. You are the only one, the native land so kept by God. A wide scope for dreams and for life, the coming years open to us. We are given strength by our fidelity to the fatherland. So it was, and so it is, and it will always be so. So there's immediately two things that I've noticed here with these, uh, uh, these lyrics. One refers to God, so that the uh, Russians do feel, or at least these lyrics indicate a, uh, an alliance with uh, the church of some sort, at least uh, uh, with God, the Catholic or Orthodox God, probably the Orthodox, not the Catholic. Um, the other one that sticks out is the fraternal peoples. And this has been something, I remember uh, someone screaming at me about uh, my knowledge of Russia when I said that Russia was very much made up of uh, a brotherhood. And this is not something I came up with. This is something that's uh, sort of reported quite a bit that the Russian Russian bloodlines run deep. And one of the reasons why it's very difficult to uh, uh, tell the Russians what to do is because they have family, uh, and that goes back generations. They have ties to the places that they were born and raised for, for generations. Similar to Ukraine, I was asked about the difference between the Russian and the Ukrainian cultures, and I can tell you, that one of the main uh, divisions, the uh, deciding points between these two cultures, is that Ukraine has never really been the uh, the aggressor. Now, I know people are going to say, you know, they're going to call me out and say there's any number of examples, but by far and large, the last few hundred years has seen Ukraine on defense more than it's been on offense. That's, uh, I mean, noted by how many other 
uh, countries have ruled parts of what we know as geographically being Ukraine. Now, other peoples, other countries might claim those areas. This is, and this is part of the question, is like, where do the ge geographical boundaries of the Ukrainian-speaking, the Ukrainian culture people begin and end? And I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with whatever answer is given. One of the other uh, defining the divisions of the Russians and the Ukrainians, uh, and I've mentioned this before in my studies, that the Ukrainian language is, I, I, I called it a little bit more pure, but this is, this, it's more uh, a sense of that as you read it, so it sounds. Whereas Russian, as you read it, it's not as it sounds. And this is unique to Russian, not to Slavic languages. It's, Russian's actually an exception in the Slavic languages. And goodness knows if I can remember what my Ukrainian teacher told me about this, but it's along the lines of the Russian language developed differently. Uh, compared to the other Slavic languages. Ukrainian is a very, like it, it, you see uh, one of the letters, it's, it represents exactly that phoneme. It doesn't change given its placement, whereas in Russian, it does. That's a small difference. Um, the other thing that you could argue is that with uh, Russian and, and Ukrainian, they do borrow a lot of uh, words from other languages all over the place. So it's even modern uh, Surzhik, which is like the Ukrainian-Russian uh, medley that happens in Kiev. Uh, Kiev. That one, it, it still incorporates a lot of foreign words into it, particularly like English words. That it's, it takes and just uh, surrealizes. So with these two national, national anthems, I mean, I'm looking at this going, yeah, I mean, it's... They are both patriotic, but I mean, I, I would almost give uh, Ukraine the uh, the more you know chest-beating nation uh, national anthem. One interesting thing about the uh, Russian anthem, is, as, as I'm reading on this encyclopedia, is that one of the people who put it into place was Putin. Putin back in 2000, uh, year 2000, and he wanted words, not just music. It was only music for years. Yeltsin uh, said he just wanted uh, music, uh, and he had criticized publicly Putin on this on choosing to to uh, first of all choose a, a Soviet anthem, but then also to put lyrics to it. Turns out, and this is actually kind of weird because you know as the Olympics just ended, and I've mentioned that the Paralympics are coming up, so I wonder if hostilities will sort of be quelled during that. Is because apparently. Putin made the observation that Russian medalists, gold medalists, at the 2000 Sydney Olympics had nothing to sing. And so they were standing up on the podium and they don't, they have nothing to, to sing along with. Whereas like every other nation that wins, you know, Canada has an anthem, the United States has an anthem, a very bombastic anthem. Uh, Ukraine has an anthem that they were singing at that point already. So, you know, how do you hold your hand to your heart and sing to your nation, you know, deriving the energy of where you grew up and, you, and the, you know, the passport that allows you to travel? I mean, uh, so this is one of the things that you kind of see Putin, Putin in Putin's his, history here is that he did instantiate the Russian national anthem as we know it, as we see it, as we hear it these days. 
so and that, this is something I did not know. Of course, I was re reading all about these anthems today. Um, so yeah, this I mean this conflict is not going to be getting solved uh, at at all. Um, you might wondering like Steve, why aren't you? Are, are you drinking your way through this? And I go, no, actually, uh, the one thing that's sort of, there's a couple things that are keeping me from drinking at all at the moment. Uh, number one is that I, I haven't, I mentioned the anxiety and I do have a bit of anxiety. It's, it's not, as, it's not bad. It's not crippling, but I mean, alcohol is not going to solve this issue. Alcohol is not going to make me feel any better. I mean, uh, it's not that I'm against drinking all of a sudden. It's just that, you know, given the, the situation, I'd rather keep my head clear rather than not clear rather than fuzzy with grains of uh, alcohol uh, the other thing is that <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of going by this restricted eating schedule so whereas I try to stop eating by about or I stop trying to take intake calories by about eight o'clock as it's late 8 30 on a late evening but nothing later typically um, and I did get up I was able to do my workout this morning and I will get up tomorrow and I'll probably do another little bit of a workout but uh, you know staying away from alcohol uh, which is again very similar to what happened in 2017 and then also in 2020 when this pandemic kicked off I noticed that I wasn't drinking very much I, I wanted to stay sharp I want to stay mentally aware um, and not sort of dull my senses in that way I don't think it's very beneficial to just be hitting the bottle at all, to tell you the truth. There's a time and place for it, and this is not the time and place for it. Not at all. So uh, that's sort of what's uh, keeping me uh, more sober than not. And with that, I mean, I'm thinking of my projects ahead of time here, March, April, May. I want to start March Motion, I guess, on Tuesday. I'm going, how will I be able to present this in a good light, given all that's going on, right? I'll give it a think. Uh, I'll probably still go ahead with it. I mean, it keeps me busy, keeps me occupied. Um, and, uh, it, you know, in, in three years, five years, ten years from now, I'd rather look back at it and go, wow, I did it, rather than I didn't, you know, because of the, you know, I was distracted. So, if anything, this is for the glory of Ukraine. This is for the glory of uh, the world, of, of unification of the peoples. I mean, this is... Uh, a celebration of technology and of the abilities that we have so if i want to view it that way if you want to view it that way good we'll leave it at that folks i'm going to leave it there it's friday night hope you guys are having you had a great week despite these uh new developments in in uh ukraine and in europe eastern europe hope you guys are staying safe out there uh you're keeping busy being productive uh that you're able to get some of the things done that you need to get done and that you want to get done Staying warm, I see that Canada is getting dumped on again by snow. Oops, Beijing, it's warmed up. It's pretty nice. Bit smoggy, but uh, overall the temperature is is cooperating. Folks, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Hope you learned a little bit uh, today about the histories of Russia and Ukraine. And uh, by all means, if you have any criticism, comments, or critiques, let me know. Hit me up on the Twitter. Troll me there if you need to. The Steven Sersky. Got a website as well where you can find the show notes and tracks, stephensersky.com. You know where to find me. Just search the socials. I'm there, stephensersky.com. Folks, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.